Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome here. Uh, today we are wrapping up our sermon series called The Christian Life, and our focus for our sermon today is bringing in the harvest. And I want to start with a little bit of a story. This is based off a movie, or it's from a movie. Um, and in this movie, they, the focus is urgency and, and missed opportunity. That's one of the main focuses here. And many of you will probably be familiar with the movie, as it's called The Schindler's List. And for those who aren't familiar, I'll explain a little bit. The movie, tasks, or the movie takes place uh, during World War II and is focused on the story of Oskar Schindler. He was a greedy German businessman who became an unlikely hero as he, turns, as he turns his once successful business, his factory, into a refuge for the Jews. It's said that Schindler was able to save roughly 1,100 people from being killed. And this story is a testament of the good in people. And what I want to point out from this film is the moment at the end of the film where Oscar Schindler had invested all his energy, all his fortune to save the lives of all that he could because the war was, and because the war was about to end, all that he saved would now be free. And in return, Schindler would ask, actually become a fugitive because of his involvement with the Nazis. As Schindler walks to his vehicle with his friends, with these Jewish friends, now he, he begins to weep. And it would be easy to think that he's weeping because he's, he's joyful, the war is over, but these are actually tears of regret. These are tears of regret as he thinks, I could have done more. And so he says, I could have done more. I could have had more money. I shouldn't have wasted so much money. This car that I have, this could have been 10 more people. This gold pin that I have right here, this is two, maybe one more person. This could have saved one more life. And this scene will forever be etched into my mind, and the words will, ever, will forever ring true as he says, I could have done more. I could have done more. He knew that he could have done more to save the lives of all the Jews that he encountered. And likewise, I think we know that there are times where we could have done more to share the gospel with people. But unlike the context of the Schindler's List, just because an opportunity is missed, it doesn't mean that that opportunity is gone. It just means that we have to pursue and with our focus being bringing the harvest, I think it's very fitting as right now is harvest season. We see the tractors, we, we see people working in the fields. It is harvest season right now. And I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not a farmer by trade. Um, my wife and I have had two gardens and both we've given up on. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But with my limited knowledge of farming, I do know what it means when it comes to harvest time. You have a limited time frame to get the crops off the field. There is a season for when it needs to be done, and if you miss the season, well, the crops will inevitably die. And throughout Scripture, the word harvest is mentioned 80 separate, in 80 separate occasions. And the thing that makes harvesting crops different from the harvest that Jesus mentions is that, is that our harvest time isn't limited to a season. It's not just a once-a-month kind of thing or a couple of months out of the year. It is an everyday thing. It's every month. It's every year. As Christ followers, our harvest season is every single day. As every single day is an opportunity to lead someone to Christ. And the sad truth that we'll unpack today is that the opportunities are there to bring in the harvest, but the workers are few. And so before we unpack this, let's start with a word of prayer. God, we worship your name. We sing these songs of praise, Lord, because you are good. You are good in so many ways. And Lord, I pray that this goodness would flow from in us and we would encourage others, that we would lift up others, that we could be the workers of the harvest, Lord. I pray for opportunities. I pray for boldness. And Lord, I pray that as we look at what Jesus says, that we would take this calling to be workers of the field. Amen. 
So follow along with me as we turn to Matthew chapter 9, and we'll be looking at verses 35 to 38. As Jesus says in this passage, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. And though this text is only a few verses, we can see Jesus' heart for the lost, and his hurt for those that are broken, and his calling for his disciples. And for us this morning, I want us to wrestle with how Jesus' response should impact us today. So starting with compassion, in verse 36 it says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And the reason Jesus had compassion on the crowd is because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on the crowd because he knew without a shepherd to guide them, they would be lost. They would be at the mercy of everyone else. And, and the shepherd they needed was Christ. And throughout the gospel, there are many things that Jesus claims to be, and one of them is the good shepherd. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 7 to 18, Jesus gives this illustration, this idea that he is the good shepherd that people need in their life. It says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thieves come The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because the hired hand hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. They shall, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. I command, this command I received from the Father. So Jesus is this good shepherd that the crowd is seeing and recognizing, and he needs, they, they need to follow. Like sheep, they are distressed and defenseless. And, easy, and an easy way for us to understand what they might be feeling and what this crowd is, is feeling is picture your life before you met Christ. What was going through your mind? What what were your fears? What were the things that were holding you back? What was holding you back? How lost did you feel before you knew Christ? And Jesus is saying, these people feel that. They don't know the need for the shepherd yet. So Jesus has compassion for these people because he knows without a good shepherd in their life, there will be sheep ready for the slaughter. But with a shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for them, They'll be able to follow, obey, and live a life knowing that they are protected from the evil that's intended for them. This comparison that Jesus displays also led to conviction to see the need of the people and be be convicted to do something about it. His compassion for the lost led to action, to tell the disciples to do the same. And here's why. Because the lost is plentiful, 
the lost is precious and the lost is perishing. So when Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, he truly meant it. In Jesus' day, the population of the world was approximately 150 million people. And 150 million, is a, that's a big number. But considering that the world um, increases by this number every two years or so, then it kind of puts it into perspective. And I did some, some looking up some stats this week, and, re- and research shows that we have about 2.8 billion people in the world that would consider themselves Christ followers. 2.6 billion. That's pretty awesome. But when you consider the world is filled with almost 8 billion people, that kind of puts it in perspective. 75% of the people in the world don't have a relationship with Christ. That's one in four people. One in four people don't know Jesus. And not only is the loss plentiful, Jesus' Jesus' compassion also led him to action because each life is precious, including the life of the lost. If there's one thing I've come to realize over time, it's that value of things can change. The value of things can change very quickly. It can drop, it can go up, it can go down, all these things. For instance, something that I enjoy doing, my wife is going to shake her head, like, why am I talking about this? But something I enjoy doing as a hobby is collecting hockey cards. And I love being able to see new products. I love being able to, uh, to, to find these things, the rarity of them. I just love this whole buying and selling thing. And it's just this, this cool concept. And for instance, um, back in the day, if you want to show that first picture here, Ben, Back in the day, in 2015, Connor McDavid was the first overall draft pick in, his, in, in this year, and his rookie card was released. And enthusiasts of the hobby were waiting outside the store to buy packs and boxes and cases of this in hopes to receive this rookie card. It was worth around $250 at the time. In present day, that card is now selling for $800 to $1,000. That's a lot of money. Ten days ago, there was a rare card just like this, just a little bit more rare with different things, and it sold for $31,000. Ten days ago. Sounds crazy, I know. But on the other hand, if you want to show the other picture, Ben. On the other hand, this is another card. I recently, like two years ago, I bought a tin of cards, and this card showed up. It was the first-year draft pick of the 2022 NHL. His name is Alexis Lafreniere, and I opened the pack, I saw the card, and I said, I need to sell this immediately. And I did. I sold it for $145. Present day, it is worth $40 to $50. And as you can see, this might sound like a waste of money, which it might be, but that's besides the point of this. Um, this, is just, this is just one example of how value can change over time. But when it comes to how precious the lost are to Jesus, that price tag never changes. In Luke 15, Jesus has the crowd of tax collectors and sinners gather around him, and these are all the lost. That is his crowd. The lost are his crowd. And in this chapter, he clarifies to them how important they really are to him by sharing three parables. Jesus first shares the parable of the lost sheep, and if one sheep out of the hundred were lost, he would leave the 99 for the one. Another parable that he shares is the parable of the lost coin, giving an example of a woman who had 10 coins but lost one and carefully searched the house for this one missing coin. And the last parable he mentions is the parable of the lost son. The son who took his father's inheritance, set off for a distant country, and squandered all the money away. And once the son was left with nothing, he was at his breaking point, he returned home and expected to be treated poorly. But instead, his father greeted him with loving embrace. And these are three different stories that have three different values, or three different things that varied in value. But the result of each parable was the exact same. There was a celebration and rejoicing when the lost is found. 
There is celebration and rejoicing because Christ died for each and every person, and that price tag was the exact same regardless of what we put the value on it. In 1 Peter 1, 17-20, it says, Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in a reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from with empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to, this last, to these last times for your sake. And each and every person was bought for that same price. And the price doesn't fall based on what we do or what we've done in the past. Christ's blood was shed for all of us, you and I, and all the lost souls. And that's why when someone comes to Christ, there is a joyous celebration because each person who comes to Christ is precious. Each and every person is precious because that same price was paid, Christ's blood. Christ had compassion for the lost because there's plentiful. His desire is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations because his blood was shed for all mankind. And Jesus is calling all his disciples to see this need because the harvest is perishing. In John 4:35, Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Jesus is saying to his disciples, open your eyes to all those around you. See each individual as a crop that is ripe. And when we see the word crop, or when we see the word ripe, it should indicate two things. That the crop is ready to be picked and that the crop has a time frame. A crop will only stay ripe for so long and after that point, it'll begin to decay. And luckily for us, I believe that every day is an opportunity for us to give our lives to Christ. And it's not just a one-time option that if you miss it, it's gone. But we also know that just like crops, our days too are numbered. And when Jesus saw, says this to his disciples, that the right, the, the ripe, they are ripe for the harvest, there is a sense of urgency because the harvest is perishing. And for this reason, that is why bringing the harvest needs to be a priority in our life. Because the, the harvest is plentiful, the harvest is precious, and the harvest is perishing. And so going back to our main text of Matthew 9, in verses 37 to 38, Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest there to send out workers to his harvest field. And the beautiful thing about this passage is that Jesus sees the need. He, and he invites the disciples to be part of the solution. He invites each of us to be part of the solution. Because Jesus is overwhelmed by his love for this crowd around him. He sees their pains and their problems and the sense of urgency is reaching them. And here lies one of the great truths of the Christian faith. The harvest will never reap, will, the harvest will never be reaped unless there is a reaper to reap it. Jesus needs men and women to bring in the harvest. Jesus' followers need to see people as Jesus saw them, plentiful, precious, and perishing. And what can we do to be a part of this? I have a couple things in mind. We can start by taking responsibility of our own fields. Like Pastor Ike mentioned last week, we are called to be a light wherever we are placed. Just like at home has specific lighting fixtures in different areas to illuminate that specific spot, God has placed us in specific areas to illuminate the love of Christ. This is within our family. This is within our friends. This is within our workplaces, our schools. This could be with people who brush shoulders with us at the local sporting events. It could be at the hairdressers. It could be our mailman. 
I believe that God has called us to certain areas and, in, and we're involved in certain activities because we are called to be a light in that field that we are in. And we need to be responsible for those things. Another area that we can be responsible for is the area of our church. We come to church to get refreshed, to get encouraged, to, to be in community. And church can fill all these roles, which is great. But we also come to church to serve. And the reason for this is because we are responsible for it. This is our field. This is your field, what we are in right now. And when we begin to see this area as our field, we will not only be inspired to use it and to actually take ownership of it, but we will be inspired to actually work in this field. As ministry is an opportunity to bring in this harvest, and we are all needed. And the second way we can help bring in the harvest is through prayer. When we begin to see, when we begin to see people as Jesus saw them, then we will pray for the harvest. So a few weeks ago, I was scrolling through my Instagram, and all of a sudden there was a story from one of our, our former youths. Uh, they moved away already now, but uh, so I was just scrolling through, and, and this post that they shared, it hit me. And it, it convicted me. I was challenged by this. And I'll summarize it because I forget the exact words, but it went something along like this. If God answered every prayer you prayed over this last month, how many people would come to know Christ? If God answered your prayers this last month, how many people would come to know Christ? And that's a challenging prayer. I, I heard it and I'm like, okay, there's something I'm not doing well in. How many people am I praying for? Am I praying for these lost? I believe we need to be praying specific prayers for specific people that they would know Christ. If we believe in the power of prayer, then the best thing we can pray for is those who don't know Christ to accept the gospel. And along with praying for people, like Jesus says in verses 38, ask, for the, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. Jesus invites the disciples to ask God to send out the workers, to pray that God would send people out to share the gospel. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the very verse to follow this, Jesus sends out the disciples that prayed this prayer. Jesus told them to pray for the workers to show up, and little did they know they were praying for boldness in their own lives because they will become the workers. Jesus doesn't give the option of you'll be the praying disciples and you'll be the working disciples. Jesus says, this is a prayer that is for all of us. I want you to pray this prayer and I want you to pray that you show up to work because you are called to be the worker. And then he sends them out. And unlike sports teams, there is no bench warmer Christians. There is no bench warmer disciples. This is a job for every single believer. And Jesus invites the disciples to pray this prayer with boldness that they would show up to work. And then the very next verse, Jesus puts them to work in the field. So here's the thought. Are we as a church ready to pray this prayer? Are we as individuals ready to pray this prayer? Because we can see that the disciples prayed for this and God answered. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't know if I have much to offer in this, keep in mind that God is calling us to be faithful in these matters. We aren't expected to know everything about the Bible. We aren't expected to have answers for every single situation. We are just called to be faithful. And I think God will provide the rest. As he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Meaning if we are fully devoted followers or fully devoted disciples of Christ, Jesus is calling us. We are the workers and God is calling us to work the fields because the harvest is waiting for us. So we take responsibility, we can pray, and the last thing is we can go. 
We can actually go out and do this. We can see the people as Jesus saw them. We will, or when we see people the way Jesus saw them, we'll have a desire to go into the harvest. We can't bring in the harvest without going into the harvest first. So I already touched on taking responsibility in our own fields, but at some point we need to go out of our comfort zone and we need to go. We need to share the gospel. We need to share the good news of Christ with those outside of our circle. So this, this can be a daunting task, but the process is planting seeds. It's not our job as the workers to, to save them. That's God's work. Our job is to tell the people about the Lord of the harvest. The gospel begins with go. And if we aren't going, then there is no knowing. There is no knowing God. And if you're looking for an opportunity, I already mentioned it earlier this morning, and that's the Community Hope Center. If you're looking for somewhere to serve, to pop in, please do that. Uh, ben, you can throw that picture up. We went there a little while ago, two weeks ago as a young adults group to the Community Hope Center. And we served a meal there. We organized some supplies and we did some um, encounters with, with individuals that came there to eat. It was a really good experience and something that we'll continue to do because it was just, it was just an awesome time. Um, but I'll be honest, I might be rocking the, the cool guy leaning against the wall look there, um, but I was anything but cool, I'd say, in that moment. I was nervous. I was nervous in that moment. Um, I was tasked with talking to people that I don't know I was tasked with talking to those that are eating their meals. And I will tell you this, I can be pretty awkward, especially if I don't know someone. But I tell you the interesting little thing about this. I tell you a secret about this. God can still use awkward. God can still use our awkwardness. I've seen it firsthand. God can still bring in the harvest despite our greatest insecurities. It's all about being willing to be used. It's about being willing to go. It doesn't mean every conversation is going to be about Jesus, but it's getting your foot in the door and making yourselves available. If you never take opportunities like this, you will never get opportunities like this. Like Jesus says in Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so speaking of awkwardness, uh, we watched a video with our young adults group too uh, about a couple weeks ago. And it was from a speaker named Jonathan Pakluda, and he was hammering home this point of why don't we share? What is stopping us from sharing more? What's stopping us as, as believers from sharing the gospel? And he kind of gave this illustration, and the illustration was, how would you explain this to Paul? If Paul asked you why you weren't sharing the gospel, how would you explain it to him? And it was, it was really unsettling. We were sitting there thinking, what would we say? And, and so I'll give the illustration here as best as I can it goes like this. You get to heaven and, and you're in the presence of God and all of a sudden you just, boom, you bump shoulders with Paul. Paul is there and it's like, hey, Paul, this is amazing, isn't it? Like, we're in heaven, this is so cool. Yeah, this is amazing. It's so awesome being up here, but man, isn't it so awesome that we got to share the gospel down there? That we got to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot of that. Why? Why, why, why didn't you share the gospel? Why, why did you miss out on this opportunity? Well, Paul, see, the, the thing is, don't worry. Don't worry. I totally understand. It's because of prison, right? Because of prison, you were, you were locked up. Don't worry. I was locked up too. I spent time in prison. I totally get that. Totally understand. Well, listen, Paul. No, no, no. It's okay. It must have been the stocks, right? Like those wooden stocks. Like I still have a kink in my neck from being up there. It, it must have been the stocks. Well, Paul, it wasn't necessarily the stocks, but no worries. I got this. 
Was it the cat of nine tails? Believe me, my back was ripped up. It must have been that. It must have been the whips. Paul, listen, it wasn't the whips. It wasn't the whips at all. What was it? Was it a lion's den? Did you put the lion's den? Who knows? What happened? It wasn't the lion's den. I went to Greenview Avery's. I saw the lions, but it wasn't in the den. Well, what was it? Why did you miss out on sharing the gospel with everyone? Why? Paul, here's the deal. It was uncomfortable. I didn't know what to say. I wasn't sure who to, who to share it with. It was just kind of awkward. And when we put our excuses next to Paul's life, it puts into perspective of how much are we willing to actually go through. How much are we willing to work in order to share And I'm not saying this to make us feel ashamed of not sharing the gospel. I'm saying this to make us not ashamed of the gospel. Because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And if we aren't willing to work, the harvest is perishing. And so church, the month of October is is, the month of October our series is served. And it's fitting because we just spent the whole month talking about living out our Christian faith. And now we get a chance to hear about it. So for many of you, You've bought into this mission. You're already serving. You're on board with this. You're serving in the church. You're serving in the community. You are sharing the gospel, and that is amazing. And for some other people here, and and myself at times, this sermon is tugging a little bit more in our hearts because we know we've missed opportunities. We know we've, we've played the bench and said, you know what, it's fine. Someone else will do it. Someone else will bring in the harvest. And to respond to that, Paul says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we are all given a spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, of one part, but many. As individuals, we can only do so much, but as believers, as a church being unified in this, we can accomplish much more, which is why we need to see the, the harvest as Christ did. We have to be responsible for those around us. We have to pray for those that are lost, and we have to be willing to put in the work. And the way that we can start doing this is with two simple things. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send us out into the field, and then prepare yourself, because we are the workers that God is calling. We are the workers that God is calling to this. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. And this, this call to be a worker is not an easy call. This call to go out of our comfort zone, this call to, to share something that we struggle at times even to believe. We, we have our doubts, we have our moments, all these things, Lord, but we know that you are still a good God. We know that you are still powerful. We know that you saved us from our sins. And Lord, I pray that we can take on this task to be your worker because the harvest is precious. The harvest is plentiful, Lord, and the harvest is perishing. And if we aren't willing to put in the work, then who will? And so, Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts. I pray that you open our eyes to this need, Lord. And I pray that we would become the workers, that we would pray this prayer, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers in the field. And, Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts to be those workers, to be your hands and feet. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.